Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Previously on the Simply Human Podcast. Hello. Is this Ma- Melissa? It's not. You have the wrong number. No! <laughs> Perfect. I don't know my own mom's phone number. Okay, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's episode 79 of the Simply Human Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick. Two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is an interview with Dr. Claire Sexton, a sleep expert at Oxford. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with Mark and Rick and TV Talk. We'll wrap up with our Simply Human Tip of the Week. How are you, Rick? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing all right. So I wake up today uh, at 10 a.m., and I know most people are like, oh, 10 a.m., huh? Well, I go back to work tomorrow, so I try to, like, stagger my schedule, sleep a little bit later and later. And I have a voicemail when I wake up at 10. I'm supposed to record hmm. with you at 1030 okay. from my wife. Oh, no. And she says, hey, uh, I left my phone at home. It would be really great if you can come bring it to me. Oh, where? My wife, her job is about 35 minutes away from our house. When did she leave you far. this voicemail? Uh, like 8 o'clock this morning, as soon as she got to, to the office. So she knew that you were asleep. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, I think she knew that I was up late watching hockey last night, too. Okay. So with, with a human, hum, fellow human Tom Smedley watching it live on Facebook, <laughs> commenting back and forth. It was terrific. I love you, Tom. Uh, so here's my question. She has a very busy job where she doesn't have like the ability – like my job, I can pull out my phone and like, you know, I got some dead time. I'll check Facebook. She doesn't have one of those jobs. She can look at her phone maybe during her lunch hour, and that's probably it. Yeah. Also, inside her building, she doesn't get real good service, and also uh, it's not even on her. So if like I needed to call and get a hold of her, oh my god, the house is on fire. You would have to call the prison. She's a prison guard. You would have to call she's the prison. She's actually is like a prison guard. She works in a, a daycare kind of – Right. <laughs> <laughs> the worst prisoners of all, the most sociopathic ones, little children. But I would have to call the office. I couldn't call her on her cell phone. And so also that would be like 35 minutes for me to drive from my house to her office and then 35 minutes home. And I've got a bunch of stuff to do today. Right, like this. Am I a, a Rick with a P if I don't drive that phone all the way up there? Basically the only reason she'll have it is for her drive home so she can – call and talk to me or call and talk to her friends. Is that a, is that kind of a jerk move for me to be like, no, I have way too many so things wait, hold on. going what did, on. What did you do? Are you just, did you just ignore no, her? No, I'm not going to drive it up there. Are you kidding me? Did you, but did you, you tell her? Did you? So, no, because I'm not going to call her office and be like, <laughs> hey, leave a message for Anna. No. Wow. The, the message just says no, and that's it. I don't know. That's, uh, I, I, pre- am I going to get in trouble for this? Maybe. I, I like that you ignored her because, you know, you can record with me, but, well, um, <laughs> do I don't you, know. Oh, well, I mean, it's, the reason that the main chore that I have to do, I have to go up to Jason, our older one. I have to go up to his school and do they call the Tuesday folders, and I know it's Wednesday because I forgot that to do them on Tuesday. Nice. A bunch of papers to go home and their folders and some volunteering, blah blah blah. I've got to do that. Is the main reason. 
that's taking time out of my day. Also, I have to go work out. I have or, a question for you yeah, about that later. Don't let me forget. But I, uh, am I a jerk? No, I think if you just pretend like you never got the voicemail, I think that's your Is that what I bet. should do? Because she yeah. doesn't listen to the podcast, God forbid. Yeah. Like, you know. I mean, neither does my wife. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. I, well, mean, I think that's where we're going to go with that. Yeah. I think if, 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 if it, like, okay, if her job, if she relied heavily on her phone, like, for some reason. Absolutely. If she was yeah. like you, you're like calling people, emailing people, yada, right, yada, with right, your right. phone nonstop, then yes, obviously I would. Well, she's got to have it. Right. But that's my thing. It's like she good. can't even look at it. <clears throat> okay. Oh, she's think, at work. I think you're safe. Okay, cool. Thank you. Okay, go okay. on to your what you had for, for, okay. for this segment. You are a police officer, correct? <laughs> yes, hopefully still. Hopefully when I go to work tomorrow, my key card still works. Okay. I have never actually driven a motorcycle. My brother has, and I have ridden on a motorcycle. I have okay. never also ridden on a motorcycle well, or driven one ever. I've ridden on one. I haven't yes. driven one. So because of those two things, because I have ridden on a motorcycle and because you are a police officer, I feel like we have to talk about this Waco bike gang thing. Man, that thing is bananas, dude. A hundred and seventy something people. How why don't the why didn't those people just run away? Like how many cops does it take? I don't have any to arrest a hundred and wouldn't you think like you if you were like the hundred and seventy fourth person to get arrested that you could have probably just like run into the bushes at some point well, i was just thinking when you were saying that like i never really thought about that i'm sure there are people that didn't get arrested in that that should have gotten arrested but like uh how man, many cops no would it take the dynamics I, of all that i know, I know they, that they knew that problem the, the police department knew there are problems coming up that's why they were all there already right because, oh, okay hey, so there were a bunch two, of cops already have, there do what yeah so i guess if you don't know what's what's been happening there was like a biker gang shootout at a yeah just google search waco biker shootout yeah and it was this massive like and nine people died and it was all bikers and like 18 something people got shot no innocent bystanders no restaurant people got shot and no cops got shot it was all bikers got shot and stabbed so injured. i i wasn't i had never I, I don't know what twin peaks is i thought it was like a mountain restaurant okay Twin Peaks is like a Hooters. Right. I want to say it's only in the Dallas area, maybe. I know it's headquartered hey, in Addison. There's one that, that they're advertising for job like uh, openings in Abilene. Well, let me tell you, the food is awful. It's just well, terrible. I would I've never, been to one one time. I would never go to a place like that, Rick. I know, and I hate places like that. Um, um, here's I went, my... One time I had like a work class. And so I was in plain clothes, and we're like, hey, let's go somewhere for lunch. And everyone was going to a pizza place, and I was like, well, I don't want to eat pizza. I don't really eat bread, whatever. So I went with a friend. He's like, let's go to Twin Peaks. And I was like, oh, God, okay. And the food was awful. So I was like, I have no reason to ever step yeah. foot in one of these places again. So be, now that we know that it's kind of like a Hooters-type place. With waitresses I, with hardly any clothes on. Right. I saw like on you know on the B-roll – oh, that's another TV term. Uh, like on the on the roll of uh, – or the, the video. Just generic footage of yeah. the event. There's like people. There's like families w yes. walking out with kids. I have never understood. That. Who's taking their kids to a Hooters type place? Man, I don't know. It just that whole thing. And it wasn't like that no. whole genre of restaurant completely befuddles me because a, if you're like, huh, let's go get some wings and look at some boobs. If that's what your thing is, why don't you just go to a strip club? Yeah. If well, if you want to just go look at boobs. First of all, come on, man. You're telling Second me. Second of all, like, fine, just go to like a real strip club. Don't go to like, you know, the Maxim of like, uh, that's what I don't understand about Maxim magazine. It's like almost Playboy, but like it's for people just who like, want just like, go buy a two, Playboy. Two chicken to buy a real Playboy. <laughs> but like, uh, so you're telling me you're not going to go to Tallywhackers. Is that what you're telling me? 
<laughs> uh, maybe I'm going to work there on an off-duty job. You don't know that. But uh, And also, the people who bring their family, it is not a family restaurant. Right. Like, are you, not to go too far off the beaten path here, but like, let's not teach our children, like, objectification right. of women. Let's not teach our boys that's cool. And well, let's here's... not teach our girls that, hey, the only way you have value in life is to have some big old gigantic flapping knockers <laughs> let's not do that so like if, if it's like if i see like a, a man i love with, how like, that's how i describe them flapping yeah, knockers yeah like, what, it's like old old person <laughs> twin peaks stop like, my bad i've have already the listening. already breastfed twin peaks um stop. okay so i could kind of understand like a man with his like 13 or 14 year old son not that i would do that but, i okay. cannot that but, to me is a worse sin than bringing your like five-year-old boy in. okay or but but what i what i saw was like a man a son and the wife i don't yeah, get that I feel like that wife maybe needs to like you know speak up a bit and be yeah. like hey uh no Anyway, Sorry. Well, uh, you know, this and is... I can even understand with Hooters because Hooters has good wings. I've eaten at Hooters as, as, as before the the uh, I, basically I was like, well, I'm going to go here and for the wings, I have no desire for the other stuff. It's just the wings are good. They're like super good, whatever. But the food at Twin Peaks sucks. OK. And um... by the way, we had a good laugh at work. Like we're like Twin Peaks. Like, are they going to, all right, banditos, let's roll out. They got all you can eat riblets at Applebee's starting at 4 o'clock. Yeah, like, what, are they not eating at, like, a biker, biker bar yeah, anymore? Like, like, it, in, like in Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Like, yeah, like, like you know, their clubhouse or what have you. Like right. a bar that only, or like Fletch Lives. <laughs> Harley, Harley Davidson Harley motorcycles. Davidson. Oh, genius. Ed Harley. Um, yeah, so that whole thing is crazy. So, and uh, people have asked me very quickly, like, are bikers a thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Biker, crazy. Biker games are still a huge thing. My partner, Colt, used to work in a different city that uh, in the same basic area, in the same area of DFW. and was like, oh, yeah. He's like, I've dealt with bikers. I w- dealt with bikers the whole time I was there. Jeez. I have not seen, and granted, I don't have a lot of experience looking for bikers, so I don't really know what to look for besides, like, Big dude in leather vest on motorcycle, (laughs) but I don't know if that's a biker or not biker. I don't see him in my area because, you know, a little different demographic in the specific area that I work at. Uh, Those guys would stick out like a sore thumb. But uh, apparently a big, you know, still controlling, uh, you know, I guess gun running and, you know, dope smuggling and what have you. So I guess unless you mistake like a butler walking down the street as a biker, that would be your your area. So. A butler. Uh, yeah. All the what? Rich people. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> at the end. <laughs> no butlers in my area. At so. the end of the show, we are going to announce who has won the oh. Becoming a Supple Leopard. I have the list of people, and Rick is going to choose a number, and I'm going. we're going to do that. But we're going to announce that at the end of the show. So, Four! <clears throat> um, oh, should I choose a number later? Yeah, we're going to do that in a second. Uh, That does not count. So if you're number four, which no one will ever know what number you are, you you did not. And I'm not going to pick 69. So uh, ah. although we we may have had that many people uh, retweet or share, I can tell you already, we did not. Shut up, people. Shut up. (laughs) 
All right, let's uh, let's get to it. SimplyHumanLifestyle.com is the website. Email us at SimplyHumanLifestyle or SimplyHumanRick at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, follow or subscribe to us on YouTube, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SimplyHuman52. Sarah Fergoso uh, mentioned me on uh, Instagram yesterday, and once again, as happened last time, I got like 50 more Twitter uh, Instagram followers. Well, um, uh, only that wasn't just an arbitrary number. Yeah, I know. We attached a monetary value to that. We still have the nutrients and skinny fat links on the website, and we have t shirts. Go to simplyhumanlifestyle.com slash shop. We've had some people buying the new black t shirts with the yellow right. Um, so let's get to our interview. Leave us a review on, on iTunes. iTunes. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Apparently you. people like Anna Concarne. I wonder if that's your real name, by the way. Been having problems trying to leave oh, a right. I don't know what to tell you. iTunes is real weird, yeah. like in a lot of regards. So I wish we had a way to figure out how to do it. But sorry. You're just going to have to shell out 20 bucks and buy a t-shirt, Anna. <laughs> Anna. Yeah, so I did send her, I I did send her the link. Um, if you don't want to take your chances, uh, just you can use my one. Um, All right. We talked to Dr. Sexton about sleep 101, sleep quality, improving sleep, what Rick does to fall asleep, dangers (laughs) dangers of not getting enough sleep, sleep shortcuts, Claire's routine, physical activity, and listening to Taylor Swift. Joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, super excited to have Claire Sexton on with us. And... to to validate and sort of to uh, to tell our listeners exactly who she is, uh, just hang hang on and, and bear with me. Listen to this: she is a postdoctoral research assistant at the Oxford Center for Functional Magnetic Resonance Imaging of the Brain. Okay, which is that's hmm. a multidisciplinary neuroimaging research facility which focuses on the use of MRI for neuroscience research, along with related technologies such as transcranial magnetic stimulation, transcranial direct current stimulation, and EEG. Claire, her research involves uh, MRI techniques to study the aging brain. Her doctorate examines structural and functional changes in late-life depression, mild cognitive impairment, and Alzheimer's. Her current work uses MRI techniques to investigate factors that may promote healthy aging in the brain, including physical activity, and what we're going to focus mainly today on is sleep. So, Dr. Sexton, welcome to the show. Hi, pleasure to be here. <laughs> wow, that was uh, that was quite a, a bio. I, I, felt, I felt like, Mark, you were reading my resume and not hers. <laughs> I, uh, so similar, our backgrounds here. <laughs> right, well, uh, actually, I came across Dr. Sexton's work uh, in a Huffington Post article. I actually have a Google alert set up for sleep studies and one of the things that came into my inbox was this uh, question and answer with someone that ended up at, on a several different outlets, but one of them was having to post. And I read it, and there was a contact deal, so I emailed her, and she emailed me back, and we set this up. So thank you for doing this, and uh, let's just start with your background. Uh, I know you are overseas, uh, as we were recording this, in Texas. You are in Oxford, uh, which I believe is in uh, Europe, Rick, is that right? I'm consulting my globe right now, <laughs> right now. All right, so Dr. Sex, just give us your background and sort of how you got to where you are today. Okay, um, so my undergraduate degree was in neuroscience, uh, which I did in Manchester. And then after that, I um, came over to the States for a while, worked at Columbia University. And then I came back to England to do my PhD, which was in psychiatry um, at Oxford. Um, which, as you mentioned, was looking at late-life depression and using magnetic resonance imaging techniques to examine late-life depression. And then since then, I've stayed on in Oxford, 
and at the moment I'm looking into um, aging and what can help promote healthy aging as you said and um, I'm particularly interested in factors that are uh, potentially modifiable so that we can easily take steps and improve um, ourselves such as physical activity and also sleep. Cool. So what were the, some of the things, maybe, was there something that, uh, I don't know, maybe that you experienced uh, prior to your studies that sort of led you down this path? Or was this sort of like, a, hey, I'm interested in neuroscience, and now I'm sort of uh, exposed to all these different areas, and this one's kind of interesting. So how did you get sort of pinpointed on the sleep and the, the MRI and all that, that good stuff? Um, it was a bit of both. I mean, I started doing the neuro, a neuroscience degree just because I was interested in um interested in finding out more about how the brain worked and then um i wanted to stay on the side of neuroscience which um involved seeing people and looking really at the the whole uh, at people rather than just at um you know pathways in the brain um so then that's how i got into using mri techniques um and then my interest more recently in sleep is um, just because, I mean, we spend a third of our, our lives asleep. It makes sense that we spend this much time asleep because it's useful um, in some way, that it's um, beneficial for our brains. But it is the factor that's been overlooked somewhat. There's been, you know, guidelines about how much activity we should be doing, what our diet should be, but there isn't that same focus on sleep. Um, so my research is trying to um, look and see if sleep's important for the brain and why that is, and then trying to uh, raise its profile somewhat. Yeah, and so if you could just sort of give us... I, sleep is one of the things that I am uh, most interested in. I've, I've done a lot of research myself, not, not as much as you, <laughs> uh, for sure. But can you give us sort of the... All right, let's say somebody's tuning into the show that, that obviously they know what sleep is because everyone sleeps, but can you sort of give us the... Uh, the the layman's version of what is sleep exactly and, and what happens when we sleep and, and what, what happens during uh, sleep as far as the cycles and all that good stuff. Okay, so there's um, when you fall asleep, then as you mentioned, there's different stages of sleep um, which go through to slow wave sleep and different stages of sleep where, um, in which you dream and different stages in sleep when you're more just resting. And you can analyze these um, different stages of sleep by wearing an EEG cap while you sleep. Um, my research hasn't really done any work on that side of um, analyzing sleep and more I focus on looking at um, overall sleep quality and how we ourselves rate sleep. So, for example, sleep quality um, encompasses a number of different factors, such as how long it takes you to get to sleep at night, uh, whether you wake up frequently during the night and can't get back to sleep, whether you wake up in the morning and um, at, say, 5 o'clock and you can't get back to sleep again then until you get up. And so then, and also your duration of sleep, whether you're sleeping... Um, five hours, seven hours, nine hours sleep a night. So those types of um, sleep variables are the ones that um, in our research group we're particularly interested in. So now, Claire, what are some of the things that you find uh, in common among everybody that kind of lives in modern society? Some of the things that we're doing uh, 
that are counterproductive to getting good restorative sleep? Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people um, have sleep problems. So um, my research, a lot of it is in aging populations, and it's up to half of older adults which who report some type of um, sleep um, complaint. And there are a number of just quite easily modifiable tips and techniques that you can do to improve your sleep. So um, one is just establishing a regular routine and getting up in the morning uh, every day at the same time and going to trying to go to bed at the same time every night. Uh, trying to clear your bedroom of um, any sort of gadgets or TVs and using the bedroom really just to sleep and associating the bedroom with sleep mostly. Um, and also then getting enough activity helps you to sleep better and also avoiding caffeine um, close to close to your bedtime. That's another sort of easy tip which can um, help improve people's sleep. I know, uh, quickly, I know Rick, uh, one of his tips to go to sleep, he just drinks out of a whiskey bottle until until he no, he's no longer <laughs> conscious, which I don't think is good, um, but that's what Rick does. Yeah, and I, call, uh, I call that passing out, not sleeping, <laughs> typically yeah. speaking. Well, actually, yeah, that, that actually is sort of a weird, uh, I didn't mean to have that actually segue into anything, but like, um, <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people will say, no, I have no trouble falling asleep. As soon as I hit the, my head hits the pillow, I'm asleep. Is there... Is maybe falling asleep too fast an indication that maybe you're you're overtired or something something's not right? Like, shouldn't there be like sort of this process where your body winds down and, and finally reaches that state? Um, well, I think it would be it would vary from person to person. I mean, some people then they they need that time just to sort of relax before they get to sleep. But some people have already relaxed while they've. Um, been earlier in the evening and ready just to um, go to sleep straight away um, so I think really we all know um, what to a degree what's best for ourselves so that if you know that you like to have a bit of time to relax and if you go to sleep as soon as you go to bed then that's because you're um, overtired then that's something that you should you know listen to your own body about and there have been MRI studies that have looked at the duration of sleep and again um, support this idea that intrinsically that you have an idea of how much and what type of quality of sleep is good for you. So for example they asked what um, an idea of sleep credit so they said how many hours of sleep do you think you need a night and then how many hours of sleep do you get and the people who um, gotten as much as they needed um, had greater brain volumes than people who didn't get as much sleep as they um, thought that they needed. So it was really this idea of how much sleep credit and relative to what you think you need rather than just the amount of sleep. Now, Claire, from a, from a perspective, uh, a scientific perspective, I guess, what are some of the, the dangers of not getting enough sleep? What are some of the things that can happen? We all know that you know, you probably not don't concentrate well enough at work, or you know, you probably have low energy. But what are some of the things specific to kind of your brain research? Uh, what are some of the things that that we maybe aren't familiar with when we're talking about not getting enough sleep? So there've been um, studies looking at um, the effects of sleep on your cognition. So on many different measures. So looking at um, 
measures of memory, uh, also measures of executive function, which is uh, tasks which are um, involve a bit more tricky to do and involve planning and organizing your thoughts. So all these different types of cognitive um, variables have been associated with poor sleep. And then more recently, then our group and other groups have been looking to see what underlies these benefits of cognition with regard to brain structure. Um, so then the study that we published last year then was looking at the relationship between sleep quality and um, rates of decline in brain volumes over three to five years. Cool. Now, I'm actually, what I'm doing, I'm going to link to your, uh, the, the website, the FMRIB website that has like your, um, you know, our team and Claire Sexton. It, ha- it lists all of your, the studies, the key publications, because you mentioned one of them. And it's just like accelerated changes in white matter microstructure during aging, poor sleep quality associated with increased cortical atrophy and community dwelling. I mean, it's just like, there's, I don't know, there's probably 15 articles. Oh, no, there's now the view 18 more that I can't even see. So, just a side note for all of you that are interested in this kind of stuff, there's just a great resource there that I will link to in the show notes. Um, so we were talking about sleep quality a second ago, and I just wanted to ask you sort of, you know, there are things when you're in the lab studying sleep and, and doing research that, okay, obviously this person's not getting good sleep because of this reading on this EEG or whatever it is, but are there some, some correlations outside of the lab, like some things that always seem to happen or feelings or waking up in the night or or are there some things that happen to you or don't happen to you if you are getting quality sleep like how do you all define quality sleep um so for us we use um a questionnaire to um look at quality of sleep which then asks about what time you went to bed what time you got went to sleep um whether you woke up in the night, how you perceive your own sleep quality. And it um, sums all of these different questions to get a score, um, an overall score. And then from that score, you can group people into good sleepers and into poor sleepers. And then these measures have been used in um, many different studies. Um, So, for example, then poor sleep has been associated with um, increased risk of dementia, increased risk of cognitive decline, and then, um, as I mentioned before, cognitive measures, and then also by our group looking at um, rates of decline in brain volumes, where the people with the worst quality um, sleep were the ones showing the greatest rates of decline in brain volumes. Okay, and, and talk about brain volumes. Why, why is uh, brain volume important? So brain volumes then have been shown to generally decline um, with age um, and also have been linked with a number of performance on a number of different cognitive tasks. So there's a lot of interest in trying to um, get people to maintain um, brain volumes for as long as possible. So then there's been studies looking at cholesterol levels, uh, looking at physical activity, um, looking at blood pressure, or linking these factors. And then our study then looked at sleep quality. And it was a study which had um, involved about 150 um, adults. It was 
people aged between 20 and 84 years. And as I said then, it was that the people with the worst quality sleep showed the greatest rates of decline in brain volumes. And this was across quite a few different brain regions. And these were brain regions which have previously been... um, seem to be linked with uh, cognitive processes. So we're seeing a direct relationship between a lifetime of not prioritizing sleep, a direct connection between that and, you know, kind of some of the things that uh, uh, we think about problems of, of people aging, I guess, is what you're saying for us laymen. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Um, in our study, then we were looking at current sleep quality so just taking into account how people's sleep quality was at the time that they com- uh, completed the questionnaire for that past month but we are at the moment working on other studies um, so for example we are working with a study um, which has followed up um, a number of people for the past 30 years so we can look back and see people who've had poor sleep um, consistently over a number of years and compare them to people who have consistently had good amounts of sleep and good quality sleep and also compare them to people whose sleep sleep has varied or that they've only developed sleep problems later in life. So this is a project we're working on right at the moment but then that should help us answer in more detail whether you need to have good sleep all the way through your life or whether um, improving your sleep um, later, just later on in life is still beneficial. Have you found any, like, you know, people are always looking for like a substitute or a cheat or a shortcut. Is there a shortcut for, you know, not getting enough sleep? Um, no, I don't think, I don't think there is. I think um, many of us try to, um, you know, um, get by on um, less sleep than we need um, but I think there's there's no shortcuts that um, it looks like sleep is beneficial for the brain and um, I don't think there really is um, any alternatives. Cool. Now what is, uh, I know in some of your stuff the, the term cognitive behavioral therapy pops up. What is cognitive behavioral therapy? So cognitive behavioral therapy is a treatment Um, that can be used in a variety of um, different illnesses. So, for example, it's used in depression. And also there's um, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. So, as you can tell by its name, it targets both uh, the cognitive side and the behavioral side. So the cognitive side, um, for example, many people who have problems sleeping um, report that they go to bed and they have um, a race in mind so some thoughts keep on going through their head um, preventing them from getting to sleep and not being able to sort of slow down and switch off so there's it will go through uh, cognitive um, strategies to try and help slow that race in mind and then also then the behavioral side which would be tips like we spoke about earlier like um, getting the right Um, bedroom environment getting into a sleep routine and this can involve to begin with shortening the amount of time you spend in bed uh, so that you spend what time you are in bed asleep and then you can gradually uh, lengthen that time and lengthen the time you spend in bed and asleep 
Can, do you have Do you have any thoughts on melatonin supplements? I know we've we've had uh, some people on the show before that talk about uh, the importance to link between melatonin and our body's biological clocks. What are your thoughts on that? Um, melatonin is really interesting area, but it's not something that I know too much about, and it's not something yet that's been explored with the MRI and um, brain side of the studies, as far as I'm aware. Um, but I'm sure it will be um, looked into um, further as a, as a sleep aid um, by these studies um, in future. Um, one question I had is, and if you don't mind sharing with us, you know, you are sort of in the, on the front lines and doing all this research. What is your routine? How much sleep do you get? Do you have any sort of, uh, tips or tricks that, that you do personally that have worked for you? Oh, well, I, um, I need quite a bit of sleep. I sleep between eight, nine hours, uh, sleep a night. And there has been some studies that have shown that, um, Poor cognition is not only linked with too little sleep, but also for too much sleep for over nine hours a night. Um, so I'm not sure if I'd be the, the best example. Um, but, but uh, yes, I do try and just keep um, a regular routine, um, try not to work um, too late, um, try to, you know, relax in the evenings and wind down. Um, and also just try to prioritize sleep and try to um, keep the amount of sleep that um, I get uh, consistent both during weekdays and weekends so that it's not this, that you're um, getting a lot more sleep at weekends and trying to catch up on what you missed during the week. I feel like as a sleep researcher, you probably have the perfect job ever for accidentally falling asleep or taking a nap at work because you just tell your boss like, oh, no, no, I'm, uh, I'm researching some more sleep right now. <laughs> Yeah, and a few of us have been saying that we would quite like those um, sleep pods, at work, um, but we haven't been successful yet. That's funny. You know, you mentioned something about prioritizing sleep, and one of the things that I tell people is to almost kind of be like a guard dog, or like be very protective of your sleep as far as the time and the place. You know, it can get really. You can sort of get uh, you know tricked into thinking, oh, it's just one more show on Netflix. It's only twenty more minutes, or it's just one more you know, email that I'm going to write and, and being very like, nope, it's, it's nine o'clock, it's nine thirty, it's 10, whatever your time is that you've set for yourself and, and really be protective of that. And also like you mentioned earlier about your environment, your sleep environment, take all electronics out of your room. Like don't have a TV in your room. Don't even be tempted. Kind of like you don't have like, you know, bad food in the, in the pantry or whatever. It's just like, have that same sort of mindset in your bedroom and it's like, this is where I sleep. I'm very protective of this. We're not going to have loud noises and all this sort of stuff. So it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that since you mentioned the prioritizing sleep. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, physical activity and how being active uh, in the research you've done, how that can help in, in your brain and then how ultimately that can help your sleep. Um, yes. So then um, we've, currently doing a few different studies looking at physical activity um, so again in that study where we've um, followed up people for the past 30 years we're looking at whether um, the people who are most active are the ones who display um, you know the most healthy brains as they um, 
people reach their 60s and 70s. And we also just finished up um, an interventional trial where we looked, um, we recruited adults over the age of 60 who weren't getting the uh, recommended amounts of exercise per week. And we gave them um, MRI brain scans before and after 12 weeks of exercise. And we're still working on the results, but we've got some preliminary findings which show that there's an increase in the size of the um, front part of the hippocampus after an exercise program, but not after um, people are just placed on a waiting list and continuing their own routine. And this ties in with um, a study which was done in the States um, a few years back, which showed that a year-long program of walking led to increases in the size of this structure, the hippocampus. Um, so we're seeing a similar thing, but after just 12 weeks of exercise. So this is exciting because it adds to the evidence that um, the brain's able to adapt and to change, um, even in the aging process, and also um, in response to um, interventions like physical activity, which aren't associated with really um, any adverse side effects, which um, pharmacom pharmacological uh, medications might be associated with. And um, it also you know, opens the door to see whether in future studies, hopefully looking at sleep um, therapies, whether these then could also lead to improvements um, in brain structure. That's super interesting. Um, and, and what else, like, as far as like meditation, I know the kind of going back to the cognitive behavioral therapy, is meditation sort of fall under that cognitive behavioral therapy or is that a separate deal? Uh, I know in this, uh, in the in the world that our podcast uh, is, and a lot of our listeners, uh, I know we and others that they listen to uh, preach meditation and sort of that uh, mindfulness or that sort of uh, active... Uh, sort of mind rest is that uh, you have any experience in that um so meditation and mindfulness are slightly different to cognitive behavioral therapy um i'll say i meant to say earlier that cognitive behavioral therapy can be administered in a number of different ways so it can be um you can buy a book and read about it there's online um cbt programs or you can have uh, one to one or group um, CBT programs. Um, mindfulness um, is slightly um, separate, but then a lot of the same, um, and be learning a lot of the same principles um, in these different programs and just trying to, um, you know, deal with racing thoughts and deal with, say, for example, um, with sleep that if you think, oh, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, and then you go to bed then you will have more trouble sleeping because you've already got into that mindset of thinking, I can't sleep, I can't sleep. Um, so with regard to um, mindfulness and um, other meditations, I know there have been um, MRI studies of these where they've shown that meditation can um, lead to changes um, in MRI measures, but that's not um, really an area of my expertise. Huh. Yeah, I'd be interested to see. I'm sure it's been done, but I need to look up uh, if there have been any MRIs done like while someone is sort of actively meditating and, and the changes that take place uh, in the brain scan uh, during that. So Now, kind of on that same line, have you done any like scans of someone, uh, I guess you'd call it naturally sleeping versus someone who is sleeping with the aid of like Ambien or, uh, or, or another uh, 
prescription sleep aid. Have you noticed any differences? Um, we haven't. So then in our studies, we're mostly um, looking at sort of general healthy older adults who aren't on sleep medications because we think that the um, sleep medications could confound our results. So we're mostly looking at medication-free um, adults, um, but it is a really interesting question. And one more, uh, if I may, very quickly. Have you uh, noticed, uh, are you doing any research on people who, because of their occupations, have irregular sleep patterns, people like trauma surgeons, uh, firemen, nurses, doctors, police officers that uh, work shift work? Have you done anything about that? Um, I haven't done any work on that. Again, it's a very interesting area. Um, colleagues are also looking into sleep um, in different um, populations. So, for example, um, people after they've had a stroke or um, after other neurological illnesses, and they're looking at these both when people um, are at home and also whilst they're in hospital and whether, you know, staying as an inpatient then what effect that has on your sleep. So there's um, a lot of research being done at the moment. Excellent. Well, and then, okay, I, I had, uh, there's two, two more questions. One of which is some, is a question that we ask uh, everyone that comes on the show, but just real quick, and you may not have any, uh, you may not have uh, had any of this stuff come up in your research, but what about like light exposure, um, you know, before bedtime? I know there have been a lot of studies out there showing that like uh, the artificial light can disrupt sleep patterns, uh, at least initially going to sleep. Have you seen any of that research or, or done any yourself? Um, I haven't seen that link with MRI studies. I know then there was a study um, a while back um, with looking at people living with dementia in a care home, and they found that when there was, they changed the light bulbs to brighter light bulbs, um, and then that helped um, the sleep patterns of the residents in this care home um, because they weren't getting enough exposure Sunlight. to light yeah, um, yeah, during, during the, the day. day. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I know it's a lot of the uh, some there's some depression um, treatments that you, like they sit in you sit in front of a light box first thing in the morning just to kind of get that circadian rhythm set. So, cool. Yeah, light box seems like um, you know is a great therapy that people find useful. Yeah. And going forward, it'd be you know really important for us to compare different types of treatments. So compare cognitive behavioral therapy to light therapy to. Uh, medications and see which ones have the um, greatest benefits yeah. or whether they're beneficial um, by acting on different pathways in the brain. Cool. All right. Well, we have come to the final question, and it is this, and it doesn't have to have anything to do with any of your research or anything. I'm just asking Dr. Sexton a question. Uh, actually, I'm asking Claire Sexton a question. You can drop. Yeah, that's a better drop. way to phrase it. Yeah, yeah. You can take drop the, the doctor hat off, put yeah. the human hat on. Here. So, what <laughs> is what is something that you enjoy about life? Or one thing you do to make life more enjoyable? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> oh, where shall I start? I listen to Taylor Swift a lot. <laughs> nice. ah, there we go. You're speaking Mark's language. Hey, yeah. no. <laughs> that good? I got um, an app which today, which then, you know, you can change keyboards to like an emoji keyboard. Uh-huh. Then you can change it to a Taylor Swift keyboard, which has just different <laughs> lyrics of her. So you don't ever have to um, reply without um, quoting Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Quote. And, and, uh, I feel like that's probably what Mark has been replying to all my text messages with. <laughs> Everything is a lyric from a Taylor Swift song. It's amazing. Everything is just like, shake it off, Rick. Or uh, oh, Name me another one, Mark. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's the only oh, one you got. 
God, huh? I'm pretending like that's all I have, but there are several <laughs> more. If if it was a frozen soundtrack uh, a keyboard, I could I could spit that off pretty quick. Um, well done. Yeah, I have two daughters, but anyway. All right, well, uh, Dr. Sexton, I really appreciate your time, and I will email you when this goes uh, up on iTunes. Uh, but uh, good luck in all of your research and everything, and we'll uh, we'll keep following your work and then uh, hopefully maybe have you back on uh, sometime in the future. Okay, brilliant. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Thank you, Dr. Sexton. And I will have a link to her sort of about me section on the FMRIB, which is very close to FBGM. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's very uncanny. <laughs> this is the website. It's www.fmrib.ox.ac.uk. OX. I don't oh, know I what that is. guess Oxford probably. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Very, very good. Go. Yeah. AC. By the way, uh, no one heard this because we cut the recording off, but I am fascinated by, uh, by people with heavy accents, typically like English and Australian people, and I nerded her with questions. Oh, and also right. I was like, hey, we, we watch shows on the BBC. Do you watch them too? And she was like, oh, nope. no, I'm busy doing science. And we're like, oh, oh, Broad Church is really awesome. Is it true that those guys in Buckingham Palace won't ever smile? <laughs> uh, my questions were much more developed than that, Mark. Please. <laughs> that, was, that was the question that I didn't have the courage to ask. Well, um, I at least had the courage not to start off the interview by going, Ah, good day, mate. <laughs> I didn't do that. Which is what I do to every single person that has any kind of accent whatsoever. It's kind of a callback to Dumb and Dumber, and uh, no one ever, no ever, ever, gets, ever gets the joke. It's yeah. really funny. All right, so thank so. you, Dr. Sexton. And yes, your thank you for your sophisticated science talk, and you know, we tried to turn it off for a bit. Okay, it is now time for the Humans Being Human segment, and this is a topic that we've just sort of had in our back pockets, or in our front pockets sometimes. Mm, um, I don't have any pockets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing pajama pants. <laughs> um, which would, yeah, okay, um, never mind. So we've had this topic in our back pockets for quite some time, and we feel like it's time to have TV talk. Okay, we need to throw in a little background. Maybe not everybody's been listening since episode one. And I'm keeping uh, this to 10 minutes. We're not making this go any longer than 10 minutes. So that's what she's starting at. now. Okay, so Mark and I used to work in the television business. I went to college and got a degree in journalism, and my goal was to become a TV sports journalist. My sophomore year in college, I got a job at a local TV station in Abilene, uh, you know, kind of low-end stuff, just kind of working my way through the business. And eventually, uh, I got hired as the third, we had a three-person sports department, the sports director, the Monday through Friday, you know, big guy, whatever. Then the weekend sports anchor, who anchor the sports on the weekends, obviously, and then the sports reporter, who basically did all the menial tasks and did some reporting and some occasional anchoring. So I got a job doing that, and then the number two guy got moved to a different <laughs> division, and then I became number two. And so we were looking, huh, who does number two work for? <laughs> and so uh, we had an opening for number three, and uh, Mark – I suggested Mark because he knows a lot about sports. He's super, just mm, so good looking, and mm. he's able to read. And so those are the three, <laughs> uh, three requirements for doing that job. And so Mark gets hired, and Mark and I—I I, I never thought of it as you working for me. Right. Uh, it was just we worked together. And how long was that? That was like oh, a year and a half, yeah. maybe. And you never rose. Number two is the highest you got. I actually ended up rising to the number one spot. That is true. I left. Uh, I left before that happened. I left to do undergo a career change. But uh, how long did you do that for? Um, I was on air like for probably 
three years? Yeah, I it was think? like four years was the, okay. long, the longest I did it. So, but you saying that I knew a lot about sports brings us to our first story. This is the one. Okay, these are goofball stories from our TV sports time. Okay. Yeah. And this is probably my favorite one. So go ahead. Okay. So we would have people, Boy Scout leaders, um, <laughs> <laughs> different different organizations, or even to rescue that one too. Lots of different people coming in to do tours. <laughs> and yeah. So like, I, you get an email from a dad that's like, "Hey, my son loves sports. He would love to come up for his birthday, bring all his friends, and do, like watch you do the sports from and the, our response behind the was cameras." Always, what a nerd! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, so this, this kid comes up with all his friends and I'm sort of giving them the tour of the newsroom and kind of taking them around through production and kind of showing them how the tapes get put in the thing and all that stuff in and out and in and out of the tape deck and in and out again and in. And so we're doing all that. (laughs) Mm. So it, I'm, I'm a huge, I was, was, I guess technically was a huge Mavericks fan. I knew everything about the Mavericks. I knew all the coaches. I knew the, the win-loss records the, from, from the Dallas Mavericks, the basketball team, right. the professional the, basketball I knew every first-round draft pick in, in the history of the organization. I, well, I knew, and this is a classic Mark Rogers because you stole it from me. I was the original. Actually, I kind of stole it from Jack. Right. Yeah. I was uh, the original, like, Mavs super fan yeah. in, like, the 92... 93 time frame when they were uh, bordering on the worst team in NBA history every year. 11 and wins. So Mark's, Mark stole it from me, but yep. Mark did what Mark does, and that is go so full throttle, he like basically attained an encyclopedic yep. knowledge of anything related to Dallas Mavericks basketball. The one, it was really just very sad. The one sports thing, knowledge, that has stuck with me all these years is I, I still know every Heisman Trophy winner. Um Anyway, so this kid, and this is like before I've started working on the sports cast, so I hadn't like looked at the day yet. And so I, I've got all this Maverick stuff up, and he's a huge Mavericks fan. And I was like, oh, you are? Hmm, well, you're about to be wowed, my friend, my young friend. <laughs> and I said, ask me anything about anything about the Mavericks, anything at all, and I will know it. I guarantee you. Uh, you know. Mark's like putting his hands on his hips, like, challenge me, Yeah, yeah, child. I like ripped my shirt open, like showing my bare chest whoa uh, <laughs> hmm. kind of strange and he was Story like hmm. twist. Yeah. <laughs> he's like okay um and all his friends are watching there's all the, the parents are all there sort of smiling at me like you know uh awkwardly and he goes what uh you know picks the most basic well no no question. like you gotta lay it on pretty thick yeah like, hey i know every draft pick in history of the team coaches i know every records. coach i know every record of every year like you give me playoff a year and I'll records. tell you how many games they won. Yeah, who we beat in the playoffs. Everything there is to know about the Dallas Mavericks. Period. End of story. Go. Go ahead. Ask me anything there is to know about <laughs> the Mavs. And he goes, Go. um, who do they play tonight? <laughs> and I had no idea because I hadn't looked at the schedule yet. Like I hadn't looked. I don't yeah, know. Like you could not ask a more basic question that's where you start if you're learning about Even the mavericks not real mavs fans would have known <laughs> right. who's on the schedule who they're playing in just a few hours i didn't know just it. knowing mark that's my favorite one my yeah. favorite one of my time see if i can set this up correctly at that point i was either the number two or the number three guy and the number one guy the sports director the i main think guy, you're the number three was, guy at this point i probably was 
I think. But anyways, uh, the number one guy's name is Gary, Gary Strickland. And me and Mark, by far the greatest boss I've ever worked for at any level of any job ever in history of mankind, just because it was ridiculous. Well, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are in San Antonio for training camp. And Gary went uh, to, and he did some live broadcasts from there. And so basically my job, it was the easiest job I ever had, task at, at this job, my job is to put on a suit and tie, and uh, they no come pants. back from weather and like, and now here's Rick Bentley with sports. And they have me at the desk, and I go, all right, let's check in live with Gary at training camp. Gary, take it away. And Gary would do like four minutes of sports from the training camp, and then at the end, he would toss it back to me. That's what that's called. He'd be like, all right, Rick, back to you in studio. And I would go, all right, everybody, more Gary Strickland tomorrow from live from the Alamo Dome. Uh, and that's it. And literally, I, I, I did no work at all that entire week. It was awesome. Well, if you know anything about Gary, if you're watching this from Abilene, you probably do. Um, he was a very tall man, so he had like a very like echoey, deep, deep voice. Uh, and sometimes, and you know, if you also know Gary, he's kind of a bit of a goof. And uh, so he's tossing it back to me at the desk from, uh, and I never forget this, the exact quote. He says, We'll have more tomorrow from the Alamo Dome at 6 and 10. Rick? Uh-huh. And he's meaning to say, are you there? Because there's a little bit of a satellite delay, as you notice if you watch television before. But what it sounds, and I promise you, I got to find this. I got to call Susan and see if she has this on tape. He says, Rick, are you gay? <laughs> And, and you and I've seen the video, they, and you it's me sort, up on the screen. You sort when he's of tossing back to me in what's called boxes, a little shot of him and a little shot of me. And when he goes, "Rick, are you gay?" I went, "What?" Yeah, it kind of, it kind <laughs> and of. I'm like looking around furiously, like, "No, no, I'm not, I'm not gay. I'm totally straight, dude." Like, oh, I it. it and he wasn't actually saying, "Rick, are you gay?" But it just sounded well, exactly like he said. And that. your reaction was one like kind of like a spit take. You kind of like. You kind of like coughed, like I was. I like what? look at the camera, just off the cut. Uh, am I what? Like, are you there? And then uh, we went to the shot of me and the other two anchors at the desk, <laughs> and it was Waterwall and uh, Wayne McCormick, and they were He's like, "What was that?" And I'm like, "I don't know, man. That was bananas. <laughs> Let's get out of here." <laughs> um, uh, speaking. Another, well, speaking of Gary, real quick, and this is just a yeah. short one. Like he, just she said. Like I remember. He would be on in like, you know, they'd be like, uh, Gary, you're on in like 40 seconds. And he yes. wouldn't even like have his tie tied or his jacket yeah, on. So and off. we would just sort of watch as he would like go running out to the studio thinking there's no way he's going to make it. And this and, is going to be the time where yeah. Gary like comes sliding in like yeah. Kramer on a rolling <laughs> And every time the, you know, the, the commercial would go to black and it would fade up to the, the sports camera. And there he'd be sitting perfectly looking like, like he'd all been, calm. And stuff. Yeah. I have a funny one. I didn't discuss with you. I did that one time. Uh, I was in the, uh, the office doing some last minute work and I didn't realize what time it was. And literally I had like tense and I was already makeup on, you know, tie on whatever. And I've got to get to the studio, which is like makeup on. How far away is the studio from the office, Mark? Probably thirty feet, forty yeah, feet, maybe. fifty feet. Well, it's about it's coming on as I'm like realizing, <laughs> oh crap, sports is on. So I sprint out to the studio, and I get in the chair, and they're like, "And here's Rick," and I was like, 
they popped me up and I was like, hey, everybody. <laughs> like so out of breath trying to do a highlight and Wayne starts making fun of me on the air. This is after Monday Night Football, so it's like 1130 yeah, at night. No so watching. no one's watching. A lot of fun stuff happened at 1130 at night when no one was watching. But uh, I'm like completely out of breath and I was like, I just give me just a second. Um, a home runs. A guy hit one and the. Okay, that's it. I'll just uh, I'm out of here. Boom goes the dynamite. Like, <laughs> I just crawled off the screen. Another <laughs> another thing that Gary did to me was one. There's time. a lot of Gary stories, by the way, because he's a huge goof. Yeah, and he was very well, you know did a lot of funny things. I went and covered a playoff game for Colt McCoy, uh, famous Colt McCoy. Um, yes. It was a playoff game, and Kinda the game famous. ended at like you know three in the afternoon or four in the afternoon, and I was gonna send highlights for like the ten o'clock. Well, I'm not gonna sit around in like some podunk town for six hours with the satellite truck like waiting so what we do is call a look live and we mentioned this um in the previous or two episodes it, ago it, was it yeah so whatever um yeah the k hey, look live Charles is where Mayfield. you record something yeah. and it appears as though it's live like, right so like it, they'll, it's on tape yeah like so they'll throw to like gary, our interview with kate yeah and, gary and, will th- uh, and uh uh Charles. Charles. So the yeah, the anchor will throw to the look live and like I would say like yeah Gary thanks uh, you know even though I'm recording it so but it looks like yeah so a little live. deceptive yeah. but hey so, what are you going to do I did you know I had the camera going and I was like all right 3 2 so they know where to start the tape you know yeah. 3 2 Hi Gary yeah we're here uh, at I don't think you were supposed to say live but I said hey Gary we're here at the such and such field and where Jim Ned just beat the such and such da, 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 da. and I kind of went on for about I don't know 10 or 15 seconds and then I was like but I kind of got tongue tied and I was like ah pfft. nope let's okay start over <clears throat> All right, here we go. Three. Which, by the way, the difference between me and you is it would have been peppered with like a thousand f bombs. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, count down. Oh man, I totally f that one up. F, 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 f. So, <laughs> so I count down again. Three, two. All right, Gary. And so I went and did my highlights and all that. Well, Gary, back at the studio, rewound it to the first countdown, <laughs> not the the second countdown. He didn't like watch it. He just found the first countdown, cut the tape, and that was it. So live. Okay, all right, here we go. Live out to such and such. And uh, hey, Gary, yeah, it's, it's Mark Rogers here. Da, 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 da. Nope, let's do that over. Um, all right, three, two. All right, hey, Gary. And so, like, I had all that's on TV. Yeah, so I, like, I was driving home, and one of my friends called me, and he was like, What happened? Did you have a stroke or something? What were you doing on TV? <laughs> Did you like, smell burnt toast? Yeah, it's the, it's the weirdest thing ever. Um, so, there was that one. Um, my favorite. We have, of we have mine, time for one more. What's yours one? I want to do my very first yeah. night because this is pretty. No, memorable. no, this so, is. I mean, one more, and and you have the one more. So go. Okay. Well, all right. That was confusing. So, so I grew I, in the television business. I started in production, which is like you know all the people turning the dials and pushing the buttons behind the scenes to make the pictures go up on the screen. There's several different elements to a newscast. There's the video. There's uh, you know video that's rolling from tape and audio, and then there's graphics. There's all kinds of things. If you think about what you see on a newscast, that's what production people do. Well. I remember like Gary when he was on and he was going from like a videotape that he's talking over, what's called a voiceover, a VO, and he's going to something different, like a screen of like a graphic or a soundbite. He'd be off camera, but we could still see him in a camera monitor. He wouldn't be live on TV. He would do this thing where he like is pulling up like his hand, like he's physically showing you, I want you to pull up the graphic now. I'm doing like, it. Almost right. like, a, a, like pulling on a, a bow and arrow, like a bow string, right? And he just did it, and I don't know why. 
But I know from the production side of things that sometimes if you'd get lost, you'd be reading the script like, what does he want me to do here? You'd look at Gary and be like, oh, that's what he wants me to do. He wants me to pull up the, the graphic. Okay, well, perfect. He'd guide me through it. And so, you know, I just knew all those little tricks. Well, my very, very, very first night ever actually anchoring the news, they gave me a Monday night after Monday night football. So no one is watching. And so it's going to be like 11, 1130 before we're going to come on as opposed to 10, 20 or what have you uh, for the regular sports segment. So I, and I tell all my friends and I'm still in college at this point. I tell all my friends, dude, you got to watch it. I'm going to anchor the news. I'm going to be on there. I'm going to be on there. Well, we had this segment at the beginning, uh, like, you know, the first part of the news would be like, a, they, we call it first sports. And it would be like basically one little story, 45 seconds kind of, and, uh, later in sports, Rick will have such and such. Well, I'm on first sports. This is my very first appearance on the news desk. And I'm doing a story about uh, – it was the home run chase between Barry Bonds – or between uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy. Sammy Sosa. And it was getting real hot. Like it was late in the season and they're both passing 60 home runs and it's going to happen, right? Uh, so I show video of uh, you know the Cardinals game where Mark McGuire hit a home run and then I go to a video of uh, the Cubs game where Sammy Sosa hits a home run. And at that point, I want them to pull up a graphic that shows how many home runs each one has – and uh, their pace through the season, or what have you. Just One of them was graphic. probably at 69 at that point, I think, if I remember correctly. I think that was how many home runs your mom hit. <laughs> how many times someone touched her third base, possibly. So, anyway, I want them to go from this, this hi video highlight where I'm talking to pulling up a graphic. Well, they're not pulling up the graphic when I called to in the script. And here's the problem you only have so much video. Like, right. if the, you have 30 seconds of video, you'll only lay down 45 seconds. And after that, it rolls to nothing. And so I'm like, or something that you've taped over, like a, yeah. a girl's softball game or something. Yeah, something weird. Yeah. So you're, I'm on there reading, and I'm like, okay. And so let's take a look at the numbers. And she's not pulling up. Susan's not pulling up the. She's the director. She's not pulling up the graphic. And Susan, you know, is a very very good director. So I'm like, okay, I've screwed this up. So I need to talk her through this. What would I do if I were Gary? What would I need if I were in the in the production room? Oh crap! Oh crap! Oh crap! So I'm like, let's go to the graphic. And take a look at how many home runs each guy has. And it's running out of tape. I know, I recognize that I only have about two seconds left of footage before something happens. And so I'm like, okay, well, if I were directing, uh, I would look at Gary. And Gary would tell me what to do. So I grab basically like the, like the bowstring or what have you. And I pull it up to show Susan, I want you to pull up the graphic. And right then she pulls me up on camera to show me going, and like just a huge exaggerated motion of like pulling back, pulling up the graphic. And I look out of the corner of my eye and I see that I'm live on TV instead of the graphic. And I went, well, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, one guy's got a lot of home runs. The other guy's <laughs> got a lot of home runs. And uh, back you know, to you, Wayne. History's being made. Back to you guys. Yeah. And I like scurry off, and I was like, "Well, that's it. My TV career lasted one minute. I'm fired. <laughs> uh, I'm fired." Uh, 45 seconds into my very first anchoring newscast, and so, but uh, there it is. Little did we know. There are all kinds of hilarious mishaps like that. We've yeah. got a million awesome stories. Yeah, like like, that, like when I was throwing the, the the commercial, and I was like, "All right, sports is next. Stick it here." Uh, I mean, oh, uh, what? I mean, yeah. stick, stay stick here. One here. Stick, I was going to say, keep it here or stick around, and I said stick it here. So, yeah. all right, that is TV Talk with Mark and Rick. Yes. All right, it is now time for the Simply Human Tip of the Week, something you can start doing today to become a more healthy human. And this one is really hard for me to do this one. Um, 
That's what she said. Because I don't know if she said that or not. My, she might have. My wife is a clean freak. Okay, she vacuums. Yes, she at, is the vacuum champion of yeah, the world. Yeah, she she vacuums <laughs> at least once a day. She makes our bed every morning. Our bed. I'm looking back at our bed. Our bed is made. Like making beds. I, I don't understand. A, oh, I've God. always thought, well, like, what's the point of making a bed? Because you're man, just, I know it. You're, you're just gonna, like gonna sleep in it right. again in less than twelve hours. Right. So what? So so I've always oh, had this issue. But here, how about this from Roy Baumeister and John Tierney from a book called Willpower. Let me mm. read this to you. Okay. Another simple, old-fashioned way to boost your willpower is to expend a little of it on neatness. As we described in Chapter 7, which we don't know anything about, people exert less self-control after seeing a messy desk than after seeing a clean desk or when mm. using a sloppy rather than a neat and well-organized website. You may not care about whether your bed is made and your desk is clean, but these environmental cues subtly influence your brain and your behavior, making it ultimately less of a strain to maintain self-discipline, order seems to be contagious. You win, Jen. Now I'll get it. I understand why making beds is important, and I will start trying to get our kids to make their beds. I don't know. That that makes a lot of sense, though. I'm kind of feeling that one because uh, I'm not a, a clean or organized person by nature. It's by force because right. as a child and a you know teenager, I used to lose everything. So as a function of trying to like not lose car keys, wallet, yada, right. yada. Uh, and... I don't do this anymore, but like in the past when I was like, all right, I'm a big fat piece of crap. I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get my diet going and get, get everything ready. Like the first step would all, and I think lots of people could probably, you know, are with me on this. The first thing I do is like organize, like I'm going to cook 20 chicken breasts and I'm going to cut them right, up and I'm going right, to put right. them in these containers and these containers. And part of that was getting everything like squared away and organized to where like, uh, I didn't have to think about it. And that might, that might yeah. be the point of that right. is that, uh, if you don't have to think, first of all, the looking at disorder to me gets my head very disjointed, but also if it's something so organized that you don't have to think about it, maybe it's easier to do, I guess. Right. Well, yeah, perhaps. like an organization just sort of breeds more organization. And I know after yeah. living with my wife for more than 12 years, um, and you know, constantly losing stuff because like I leave it out. And so yeah. what does she do with my stuff that I leave out, which is my fault. She's going to put it up somewhere. I and, call that the cleaning tornado. My <laughs> wife will decide that there's an area that needs to be cleaned, but instead of taking the time to put things where they go, she just basically scoops everything into like a gigantic right. box so, and puts it somewhere so in I, an unknown location. So I'm like, Hey, right. where are my car keys? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they're right here when you the cleaning tornado. <laughs> they're right here laying on the middle of the floor, which is yeah. where I left them. Yeah. So I you, put them on the floor so I'd know where <laughs> they were. Anna. Yeah. So to me, it's like, um, now that I've learned, okay, if, if, if I'm like walking out the door to work and I see like my shoes or a pair of shorts that I want to wear later or something, if I, if I don't want those to be scooped up and put in the dirty clothes or put in the garbage can, she actually threw away my, I got my master's and I got my diploma in the mail. She just, she threw away That's my diploma. That's really funny. You um, got your master's? Yes. Uh, in I didn't know that. In business, yes. Um, Nerd. Yeah, exactly. Like, man, that's oh, so... Sub- I'm at school. My name's Mark Rogers. I wear a mortarboard everywhere <laughs> because I'm smart. I think I'm better than you. It was in 2012. God, I didn't know that. I graduated. How did I not yeah, know that? I don't know. But, um, anyway. I hate you. So, Go ahead. So anyway, um, I think yeah, like like just being clean. So now when I go over to someone's house, like we we have a, a mutual friend that we've talked about a lot, who was a bachelor for many years, and so I'd like go over to his like one room bedroom, one room apartment, 
one bedroom apartment and it would be like pizza boxes everywhere and like the, <laughs> the freezer had been broken for months and i would just be like kind of like ace ventura when he walks into the room of death uh it's just like you know he's seeing all of like the animals on the walls and he's sort of freaking out that's sort of how i am now i've been sort of conditioned so make your bed uh keep your car clean if you have an office keep it clean keep it organized and that's going to help you in other areas, other domains of health and wellness uh, to maintain uh, sustainability and good habits. There you go. There we go. Okay, perfect. All right. Um, let's end the show. I, we got to do the thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so we, we did our uh, announcement, or we, we had our made our pick, and congratulations to... I picked number seven, by the way, in honor of former Dallas Maverick great Tony Dumas. Tony Dumas, uh, who did the Texas Tornado at a huge epic failure in the slam dunk contest. And Casey Harrell is... And he may not be a listener. He may just follow me on Twitter. Um, so I'm okay. going to tweet uh, to Casey Harrell, and congratulations, Casey Harrell. If, if uh, we might have another one to give away, and I'll keep the list... And we might do another uh, giveaway uh, next week as well. But uh, uh, for now, Casey Harrell, congratulations. Um, awesome. <clears throat> okay, uh, real quick, I wanted to tell everyone who is coming up. We have quite a list of folks that are going to be on the show uh, coming up. So on the next show, it's Susan McCauley. Uh, we're going to talk to her about addiction and willpower. Episode 81 is the great Glenn Cordoza, who co-wrote Becoming a Supple Leopard and the Brian McKenzie book, um, The CrossFit Endurance Guy. Kate Galliette and the Glute. Yay! We're, yes, we're talking She's to... my favorite. We're talking to Rafe Kelly about Move Like a Human. We're going to interview Lucy Hendricks uh, of Jim Laird Strength and Conditioning. We've got Justin Goodhart on... We've got um, Michael Ruscio. Um, he is a sort of well-known person in this uh, arena. We're going to have him on later in July. So we have lots of cool people coming up. Um, so please uh, tell a friend to subscribe to us on, on iTunes. and Well, and this is why we want social media shares, because there are people in your Facebook groups and Twitter circles and what have you that, you know, this would be a good message for them. So that's why we ask you to... Give us a social media share, especially like when we post the links of like, hey, yeah. on this episode, yada, yada. Just uh, click share. It's just one button. Just click it and uh, we'll see what goes. There it goes. There you go. All right. SimplyHumanLifestyle.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SimplyHuman52. Uh, email the show, SimplyHumanLifestyle at gmail.com or SimplyHumanRick at gmail.com. Please leave us a review, good or bad, on iTunes. Any publicity is good publicity. Thank you for making us part of your day. I know there's a lot of options out there. We always appreciate it. That is going to do it for this edition of the Simply Human Podcast. And remember, my mom online at mom. <laughs> Mom, <laughs> let me fill that rest. Of- <laughs> oh, that was such a perfect setup that I couldn't even get the joke out. All I could do is just shout loudly. Ah! Hey! Your, your head just exploded. It's like it's like. So until next time, enjoy yourself. You're